This is True Crime Psychology and Personality, where we discuss the pathology behind some of the most horrific crimes and those who committed them from a scientifically informed perspective. I'm Dr. Todd Grande. I have a PhD in counselor education and supervision, and I'm a licensed professional counselor of mental health. Dr. Todd Grande, that's my YouTube channel. Today's question asks if I can take a look at the relationship between adultery and murder. So specifically, when a husband kills his wife and the husband is having an affair at that time. So this really relates to cases like Scott Peterson and Chris Watts. So I'll talk about those cases and kind of compare and contrast those cases. That was another question I was asked as well. And I'll also look at how common murder is under these conditions. So when a husband kills his wife, this is referred to as uxoricide. That's the technical name for it. And it is usually related to a specific set of circumstances. So for example, if somebody said to me that it was a husband and a wife, and that one of them killed the other, and at the time of the murder, one of them was having an affair. And they said, if you pick the correct combination, if you can figure out what happened, you know, you would get a million dollars or something. Now, just using statistics, I would certainly say that the most probable outcome would be that the wife was having the affair and the husband murdered the wife, right? So that seems pretty clear. And of course, research really backs up that as being the most likely outcome. Now, we do see, of course, three other possible outcomes. The husband could kill the wife and the husband could be having an affair. And that's what I'm talking about here in this video. Or the wife could have killed the husband while the wife is having an affair, or the wife killed the husband while the husband's having an affair. So sometimes that last one we see, that happens every now and then. But again, the most common scenario would be the wife having the affair and the husband committing the murder. And of course, if the husband commits the murder of the wife, that is oxoricide. So sexual infidelity only really seems to play a part in these situations where the other person, so you have the murder and where the other person is having the affair. So if the murderer is having the affair, they don't really have much of a motive to commit murder as compared to the opposite situation. That's one of the things that really makes the Scott Peterson and Chris Watts cases so unusual. Now, in a more common scenario where the husband kills the wife who's cheating, we see certain types of principles seem to be at work a lot of the time, like loss of control, rage, impulsivity. And we see that this motive for murder has been around a long time. If we go back to 1859, we see an unusual case where New York Congressman Daniel Sickles shoots and kills United States District Attorney Philip Barton Key because Key was having an affair with Sickles' wife. Now, this was a really unusual case because Sickle was actually acquitted. The lawyers, his lawyers, the defense attorneys, said that violent jealousy is an instinct and part of human nature. And because instinct is outside of the domain of reason, a man cannot be held accountable for following that instinct. So clearly times have changed quite a bit since 1859 because that wouldn't work as a defense these days. But jealousy as a motive for this kind of murder is very common. It happened in that case and thousands of other cases since then. So moving now to taking a look at Scott Peterson and Chris Watts. 
taking a look at a comparison of these cases and kind of relating this to the affair component. It's first important to mention here that, of course, these are real people, so I'm not diagnosing anybody here, only speculating on what could be happening in a situation like this. I'm also not speaking to guilt or innocence. Now, it seems pretty clear, of course, that Chris Watts is guilty because he confessed. Scott Peterson was found guilty, but looking at the evidence of that case, like I talked about in another video, it's not really clear what's going on there. I don't know, so I'm just not going to even speculate on that at all in this video. So for this video, I'm going to presume that Scott Peterson and Chris Watts are both guilty of the murders that they were accused of. Now, as I mentioned, husbands having affairs, that construct is not really connected to uxoricide. And this is one reason I think these cases have received such attention from the media. If we look at uxoricide, if we look at the rate of that occurrence, we see that it occurs about four times for every million married men. So four married men out of every million married men. I'm not counting boyfriends or ex-husbands here, just looking at married men. So four out of a million. The rate of infidelity for married men would be about a quarter of a million for every million. So substantially higher than the rate of exoricide. So we also know that not all four would necessarily be having affairs. So it doesn't mean that there would definitely be four who were having affairs that would commit murder. And a married man could have an affair at one time and then commit the murder later on. And they could be separated by several years. So when looking at the statistics, we don't really see much of an overlap. If we compare this to another kind of low probability event, being struck and killed by lightning, just again to draw a comparison, we see that 33 people out of a million will be struck and killed by lightning, 29 more than the married men who would commit oxoricide. So again, husbands having affairs doesn't seem connected to murder. Now, if you look at boyfriends and ex-husbands, there could be a different story. I really didn't look into that much, but just initially looking at it, they don't seem to have much motive to kill a romantic partner if they're having an affair, like a husband would. But again, I didn't look at that, so the numbers could be quite different. With the cases of Scott Peterson and Chris Watts, of course, the affair did seem to play an important part in the murders. So now taking a look at some of the similarities in these two cases, and particularly seeing how they relate to the adultery component. Well, just as an interesting side note, it's not really important, but if you look at the names, Scott Peterson, his middle name was Lee, Chris Watts, his middle name was Lee, and Watts' mistress, Nicole Kessinger, her middle name was Lee as well, but Lee is a particularly common middle name, and it's a common first name, so that's not really important, and even if they weren't common, it doesn't really mean anything. If we look at some factors that may be more important, we see that Scott and Chris were pretty close in age, around three years apart. Both their wives were pregnant. Of course, they both had an affair, and Scott had an affair with a woman who was the same age as his wife, and Chris had an affair with a woman who was four years younger than his wife. We see that life insurance may have been involved in both cases. We see that premeditation was likely involved in both cases, but of course it's important to note here that Chris Watts tells a different story. He indicated that it was like impulsive rage that he snapped. I want to take a moment to tell you about my podcast, Carol Costello Presents Blind Rage. 
1984, a woman named Phyllis Cottle was abducted in broad daylight, tortured, and left to die in a burning car in Akron, Ohio. At the time, I was a rookie reporter covering this horrific story. Since then, I've reported every kind of crime imaginable. I've been able to leave most of them at work, but not this one. The one that buried itself under my skin and stayed put. Phyllis Cottle was a badass woman, and I want to tell you her story. A production of Evergreen Podcasts and signature title of the Killer Podcast Network, you can find Carol Costello Presents Blind Rage wherever you get your podcasts. Discover more great true crime and paranormal programming at KillerPodcast.com. From DNA testing to the Dixie Mafia, Crime Capsule brings you new stories of true crime in American history. I'm your host, Benjamin Morris. Join us for exclusive interviews with authors from Arcadia Publishing, writing the hottest books on the most chilling stories of our country's past. You can find us wherever you get your favorite podcasts or on evergreenpodcasts.com. Crime Capsule. History so interesting, it's criminal. I'm not sure the evidence really supports that. And of course, Chris Watts also murdered his daughters. He did that 45 minutes later. So it'd be very hard to argue that that wasn't premeditated. And of course, that's an area where these two cases aren't similar, the murder of the daughters. But either way, we see that Scott Peterson, he also denies premeditation. It's important to note that as well. He's saying he didn't do it. He's saying he's not guilty. So technically, both of them are denying premeditation, but premeditation seems pretty clear in both cases. We see that both had odd behavior, potentially aligned with like narcissism or psychopathy, like being callous, cold, indifferent, unemotional, detached. We see with Scott Peterson in particular, he just seemed quite uninterested in trying to find his wife, as if he knew she was already dead. And with Chris Watts, of course, he confessed shortly after the murder, so he didn't get to see a lot except a television interview that he did where he begged the public to try to find his family. So I think that this odd behavior really attracted the attention of the police, and I think to some extent attracted the attention of the public. It's one of the many reasons this case has been fascinating for people. We see that both appeared to have big plans. Scott Peterson was arrested with $15,000 in his car. He had Viagra and his brother's driver's license. So it appears that he was thinking about doing something. I mean, the money and the driver's license. In terms of the Viagra, I'm not going to speculate what he was thinking there, but either way, he seemed to have big plans, right? Chris Watts searched vacations, vacation getaways, so he had some plans as well. Both appeared to be planning some sort of future with the mistress, and both also lied to the mistress, right? So different levels of lying occurred there, but both did lie. And with both Chris and Scott, we see a lot of immaturity and being selfish. Interestingly, neither one had a history of violence, mental illness, or substance use, which only makes these cases even more unusual from a statistical standpoint. Some of these factors, of course, could be tied to the affair pretty clearly. The premeditation, the big plans, and really even the life insurance could be thought of as related to the affair. I think if you look at the real commonality between these cases, what really strikes me is they both wanted to have a big change in their lives. They both wanted to really just erase whatever was going on in their life 
and start over with a new person. So again, that kind of speaks to the selfishness and immaturity and, of course, to some extent, narcissism and psychopathy, potentially. Now, in terms of dissimilarities, I mentioned before, obviously, Chris Watts murdered his daughters and Scott Peterson didn't have any daughters. Scott Peterson was found guilty. Chris Watts pleaded guilty. Scott denies his guilt, even in the present time. And Chris admits his guilt, although he may have told some lies about exactly what happened. In theory, Scott has a chance of appeal and could even be released someday. Who knows? I think it's unlikely. We see that with Chris, there's really no chance of that happening. Now, in terms of the affair and dissimilarities, what strikes me about these cases is it seems like Scott, with his affair, just wasn't as intense. They didn't spend as much time together, and there was like a different level of lying with that situation. I'll talk about that in a moment. With Chris, he really did seem to be more future-oriented with Nicole Kessinger, like the search she did for wedding dresses seems to point to that. And I think, in terms of intensity, Chris Watts was engaging in a lot of sexual activity with Nicole. They were meeting four or five times a week and having sex, it seems like, multiple times a day. And maybe some different types of sexual activity that Chris wasn't accustomed to. That's only speculation, just again, based on what Nicole searched. With Scott Peterson and Amber Fry, his mistress, it doesn't seem really clear that that relationship was as intense sexually. Now, I mentioned before about the lies. Amber Fry, Peterson's mistress, really didn't seem to know that Scott was married until after the murders. And Nicole Kessinger did know. She did appear to know before Chris Watts murdered his family. So quite a few dissimilarities between these cases as well. So again, with both these cases, the really rare cases they're not what we would expect to see statistically, and the affair seemed to be important in both cases. And again, usually we wouldn't expect an affair to even be involved, and if it was, we wouldn't expect it to be something that contributed to the murders. This has been True Crime Psychology and Personality from Ars Longa Media. This content is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Ars Longa, Vita Brevis. My name is Bill Huffman, and I am a former Cleveland news producer, and I am now the host of the podcast, Who Killed? I began the show focusing on the unsolved murder of Amy Mahalovic, and now each week I explore a different case with a focus on some of the victims who don't get the attention they deserve. I have a deep catalog of over 225 episodes, so there is a guarantee there will be something for you. Who Killed is an evergreen podcast, killer podcasts, and slow burn media production. Subscribe today wherever you get your favorite shows.